Welcome to the Club Soda Club. We're three friends, each with our own sobriety story. Sharing our personal experiences and what we've learned along the way about leading a new alcohol-free life. Hey everyone, welcome to the 14th meeting of the Club Soda Club. Woo! Roll call. Scott, laughing over there, my inability to intro a podcast. So unbelievably (laughs) present. Right. Hey, I'm Derek Bolin. I'm present. Uh, thanks to all of our attendees attendees this week for uh, for tuning in. Scott, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, Derek. How are you doing? I'm doing. You know, been been better. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a shitty week. Um, my uh, and this kind of ties into the theme we're doing with the podcast today. But my uh, my grandfather passed away uh, on Saturday. Uh, day before his 87th birthday. So rest in peace, grandpa. Uh, you will definitely be missed. Um, and then just again, been dealing with, uh, you know, pandemic life like everyone else has. But uh, Kate, who lives in Philadelphia and myself are like trying to figure out when we can see each other next and yeah. when we can start, you know, progressing our life forward. Um, and with stuff like, uh, border closure between Canada and the U.S. puts it all up in the air. We keep getting like various news sources from like, I read an article in News 1130 the other day that was like, oh, they're not actually enforcing the border closure at the U.S. border and you can just fly across. Uh, and so I asked our immigration lawyer about it and they were like, no, we don't advise that you try that at all. <laughs> like, don't, don't do that. Um, so we're just like trying to figure out when we might be able. And I think our best shot is going to be like when they're like, okay, we're going to temporarily open the border maybe, uh, before wave two hits. But, uh, this pandemic has just, uh, got me all fucked up. Flip side of that is that it was nice and sunny, uh, this weekend. So, yeah. uh, got to get out and enjoy some fresh air. Uh, it was Mother's Day. Shout out to all the moms out there. Thanks for all you do. Um, and what did that sound? No, yeah. Shout out to all the moms. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to the moms. Shout Word up, moms. <laughs> and then the pour one uh, out for the moms. Got a good got a good workout in today. I think for the first time since this Ooh, pandemic started and all I the didn't. gyms shut down. I didn't That's get. Okay. I didn't get one. You got a mental one. What's going on in your world? Oh, just working and uh, coming home and working and coming home. And that's pretty much it. It's, yeah. It's uh, very, very weirdly normal. And uh, that in itself is abnormal. So, yeah. It is. One, one of the few. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Super weird. Do you feel like, like your general like attitude or mood or like perception of the world has changed at all? Or does it still feel like relatively normal to you? No, no, it definitely doesn't feel normal. Um, like my routine being the same, it makes it kind of easier to deal with because I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't really change my day-to-day activities that much. It's just weird doing them with nobody else around. Like being in a 30-story a uh, million square foot office building with like seven people in it. You know, it's very strange. <laughs> They're definitely getting their, uh, yeah, what they yeah. Pay for. super, super weird. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It's good. You got to wonder if a lot of big companies are going to be rethinking their real estate portfolios in the coming years. Well, we'll you got to think so because ever, everyone like for years, all these businesses were like, we can't work from home. We could never do it. We can never do it. Yeah. And then coronavirus was like, well, you have to do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and I think everyone generally made the the transition okay. Like I don't yep. think any businesses have you know had to shutter their doors just because they switched to remote work. So no, I think I think that the 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 ones that are able to do it are the ones that are sort of having the most success transitioning where the businesses that just can't transition to it, I think they're having the hardest time like service businesses and whatever. So yeah, it's, it's a whole new world as they yeah. say. Yeah. If, if you have any commercial real estate investments, uh, I'd advise you to get the fuck out uh, yes. immediately. Cause it's going to be a lot of, a lot of open square footage out there. Yep. Looking forward to a new studio for Scott. Can't wait till it's super cheap. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> right downtown. Like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. It's coming. It's happening. Okay. When that happens, we'll, uh, we'll do video for these podcasts. Yeah. 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 Or we just, that could just be our podcast studio in the after times when we're allowed no, to be together. When, you when know? we're allowed to be. And, yeah. I just like podcasting wise though. I'm not, I just want to be friends. Yeah. No, we won't. Oh, not podcasting wise. You want to, you want to hang out. I just, hey, what's up? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you our topic it. today. Yeah. So my, grandpa, my grandpa was dying uh, three weeks ago, four, a month ago, maybe my mom got the call um, that my grandpa did not have long left in him. Uh, so what we did uh, probably defied a lot of uh, regulation, regulations and social distancing orders. Uh, I picked up my mom and my brother and we drove to Saskatchewan to say goodbye uh, to my grandfather. And um, over that trip, we were talking a lot about like, obviously my grandpa, uh, my mom, uh, my brother and I like trying to figure out where we come from and why we are the way we are. Um, and that got me thinking a lot about like my relationship with alcohol, uh, and my sobriety and kind of where, where my relationship with alcohol, like which parts of it came from the emotional damage that I inherited from either of my parents um, and then I thought, you know, let's just air all the shit on a fucking podcast because why not? It's the pandemic. Sounds good to me. Nothing better to do. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of dig into why we drank and why we started drinking. And specifically, uh, the first time you remember drinking and the first time you remember getting fucked up and, and how that made you feel uh, and why you did it. So uh, Scott, I'm gonna I'm gonna grill you on this first, and Go. then you can, I'm ready. you can turn around, put me in the hot seat. But okay. uh, Scott, do you remember the first time that you drank? I do, I do. It was actually at a family campout in rural Alberta. All right, um, with uh, I, I already see similarities between our stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so once a year, I think they still do it, but I haven't been in years and years and years. My my dad's side of the family is huge. He has like four brothers and five sisters, and then there's all their extended family and kids and grandkids and aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews. It's just like a lot of people, and they gather on or gathered on uh, one of my aunt and uncle's farms in uh, sort of the middle of nowhere in Alberta. And I remember, I think I was maybe 14 or 15. Uh, I don't think I was old enough to drive. Maybe I was, maybe I was 16, but anyways. Um, one of my uncles decided that he was going to start filling up a can of uh, Coke or something that I had with rum. And he's like, oh, you, sneak, you just sneak this. Don't tell anyone. It's fine. It's totally fine. And I was like, wow, this is the coolest thing. Well, this like, uncle of mine. Were you into this or was like the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, initially I was. I thought, man, like what a, what a cool thing for this uncle to do. But then after a while, I started feeling kind of weird. And uh, 
didn't really, uh, didn't really know what was going on. And, uh, I remember waking up the next day, just feeling like absolute garbage. And I couldn't really, I didn't put two and two together. I had no idea that it was because I had probably drank like half a bottle of rum throughout the course of the evening. So yeah, as a 16 year old kid who'd never really drank before. Yeah. That was my first experience of actually drinking something to the extent where it got me drunk and then also got me hung over the next day. I vividly remember it. Yeah. Like very vividly. It's terrifying. (laughs) How long, how long after? So an anecdote about, uh, I'm, I'm from the same thing. Big, big prairie family, uh, every year that, or every four years they have a family reunion, um, in the middle of like this campground in Saskatchewan. And my, uh, the last family reunion was, there was supposed to be one this year. The last one was four years ago. And I remember being there, um, same thing. My dad has, uh, seven brothers. I should know this seven, eight brothers. Um, and like tons of cousins, like, and this is the whole extended family. This is like my grandparents, siblings and all their like related relatives. So there were probably a couple hundred people at this thing. Um, and out of a gathering of a couple hundred people who I would define as heavy drinkers, uh, and a lot of them pretty substantial alcoholics, I was the drunkest person there just from like start to finish every day. Uh, and that probably should have been my first wake up call that like, Hey, my drinking is starting to go off the rails here a little bit, but like every day I would get up, start drinking at 8am, just get absolutely like shit house wasted by 2pm, be passed out in a bed by 4pm. And, uh, and this is when I was with Courtney and Courtney and Noah were there with me. Uh, and I was just like useless, like just, just drunk the entire time. So what, so when was the first time you drank though? So first time I drank was at a, uh, same thing, family gathering. It was my uncle's wedding. Yeah. In, uh, so my, my dad's side of the family comes from Gravelberg, Saskatchewan, which Ooh. is exactly what it sounds like. It's this <laughs> tiny, tiny little town. I think there's 800 people that live there. You know, what's um, funny. I just, I want to interrupt you. So our family camp out is at a place called Forestburg in Alberta. So the it, birds are very birds. strong <laughs> in the prairies. A lot of birds. There you go. Yeah, we anyways. should see if we can commission a study on the, uh, the, the link between birds and uh, problematic drinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's there. No, it's not be much there. else to do there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was at my uncle's wedding. I was fifth. I want to say 15 years old. Um, and uh, this was less, uh, I can't remember how it came about because it wasn't, I think it was the same thing. Like a relative gave me like one glass of wine to, to do the toast with. And I was like, and at this point I was like, um, I think I'd like fucked around with drinking a little bit, but I'd like never gotten drunk. Like it had been like sneaking like drinks of like, uh, schnapps from my friend's parents, liquor cabinets. Yeah. Um, that was my big sneaking drink. Tasted like a creamsicle. What was it? Quantro. Well, oh yeah, Quantro was a shit. Yeah, um, I think ours was like uh, pep- peppermint schnapps. We had a lot of yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> fireball or like uh, was was around. Yeah, uh, it was pretty ubiquitous back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I think someone gave me like a glass of wine for the toast, and it was like a group of me. I was the oldest uh, because I was the oldest like grandchild in the whole family. Yeah. Um, and then it was me and like four or five of my sort of like similarly aged cousins. So they were like, 
15, 15, 14, I think the youngest was 13. Um, and what I ended up doing after that first glass of wine was I just ended up uh, going around and picking up bottles of wine off the tables yeah. uh, and started polishing those off when we were passing them around. And um, start, like, I think at some point uh, I was emboldened enough to ask one of my uncles to get me a drink from the cash bar yeah. uh, and, and managed to ask sober enough that he was willing to do it. Um, <laughs> And we just ended up like all of us, me and my cousins, uh, ended up getting absolutely like shit face hammered. Um, I remember there was a, uh, I think I did all of this because there was a girl I liked at the wedding. Um, um, I'm gonna, looking back, I'm, I'm probably related to her. Yeah, I, I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I kind of know how those weddings work and like, I mean, the, it's okay was, to have a hot cousin, Derek, but you're just not supposed to do anything. In my defense, this was a hot cousin by marriage. <laughs> so wait, she was married. No, she was on the, oh, she was on man. the, so I was like the groom's nephew. Oh, so she, she was, was like the, the bride's, bride's niece, niece or whatever. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. Yeah. You're um, still probably blood related somewhere there. You can't yeah, say, yeah, hey, you can't I wanted to no. make out with my cousin. I mean, <laughs> I can, and I will say both of those things. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, anyway, we all got fucking like beyond drunk. Um, and, uh, I did not make it, I want to make it clear. Didn't make out with the cousin. <laughs> um, but like at, at one point, all the parents kind of wised up to what we were doing. Um, and yeah, when you started knocking tables over, probably they were yeah, like, Wait like I, a we, I, I either, we left the wedding for a bit and just like went on a stroll through the streets of Gravelberg and like went, I think we went and got more booze. So this is like, this is my first time drinking yep. to get drunk. And I was just like full on binge drinking right away. I like, I, I'm pretty sure we went to a liquor store and got someone to buy a bottle of something for us or my oldest looking cousin like oh, walked in man. and bought us a bottle. And then we ended up in a hotel room and we drank there for a bit and dipped yep. into whoever's hotel room, like their parents' booze stash. Yep. Um, anyway, got beyond fucked up. And then I definitely remember uh, the hangover the next day because the parents, uh, as punishment for us drinking at oh. this wedding, we woke up just feeling like absolute garbage and we went upstairs uh, and they made us, they had brought all the like leftover buffet food back from the wedding and it was cold and they laid it out in front of us and they made oh. us each eat a plate of cold ass leftover wedding food. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was horrific, but it was not enough clearly to deter me from drinking for the rest of my life. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's something. So after you got drunk that first time, yeah. How long was it after that before you drank again? Like, did was that like a like a learning experience for you? Were you like, well, maybe I don't want to do this? Yeah, it was kind of a it was kind of a one off deal for a while, and I think that the next time I really drank in any sort of quantity probably would have been when I was like seventeen or eighteen, like partying with my buddies and uh, in high school, kind of, I think that's probably fairly consistent for most people when they start drinking a couple of years before legal age, depending on where, what country you live in. But, uh, um, yeah, I remember, I remember going out for dinner with my family on my 19th birthday. And, uh, my dad was really excited to buy me my first beer 
and I was already drunk because <laughs> I had been at the strippers you with were, my friends all day. Oh, nice. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Anyways, I don't condone that sort of action anymore. I'm a father and I have a daughter and uh, don't go to the strippers. It's gross. Yeah. It's, have you been in a strip club since you sobered up? No, I haven't been in a strip oh. club for probably 15 years. It's been a while, man. Yeah. I've been in a couple and it's just, it's fucking like, it was always awful. Like I don't yeah. think I ever like set foot in a strip club and felt comfortable being there. Um, but even, even as a sober person, what? you want to make this a cousin should, joke? No, like, should what? Be, what do you want to do? To be a YouTube channel, man. Like the, <laughs> I mean, the, the <laughs> listeners at home are not getting the benefit. They're not of getting the benefit of my facial yeah. expressions that I'm making while not saying anything. <laughs> um, Pretty good. But uh, I have been to a couple strip clubs since I sobered up um, yeah. for a couple of, of buddies' bachelor parties. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just like, if you ever want to feel shitty about men... Uh, a, yeah. be a woman, or B, go to a strip club and just don't drink and observe the men around you. Oh. Um, and it's just like, I can't, I can't go to a strip club without just feeling gross anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can imagine. Like it was, it was like you were saying, it was, it was borderline when I wasn't sober. And uh, it just the thought of it now is just like, oh, no. Nope, no thanks. Yeah. You're, not, you're not missing out. No, not at all. Not at all. And that's fine um, with me. So you waited a while to drink yeah. after yes. that. Yes. What, what got you back kind of back into it? Like after your, your drunk experience, what, what made you want to pick up the bottle again? Oh, peer pressure, man. hundred percent peer pressure. All my buddies, uh, you know, when we would go partying, everybody would get beers and we had like an older friend as uh, tends to be the case that would buy the beer for us. And, Everybody was drinking beer, and if you weren't drinking beer with everybody else, you were lame, and yeah, just the usual crap, you know. And uh, you didn't want to be lame. No, nobody wants to be lame, Derek. Not even your cousin. I don't know. Anyways, moving on. Uh, yeah, it, it was, it was totally peer pressure. And I think that, um, I, f I feel like there's maybe more kids nowadays that probably won't drink right out of the gate because I feel like peer pressure and, uh, stuff like that is really front of mind for a lot of kids. And they're, they're taught about it a little more in school and through, um, just sort of, I, I don't want to use the word woke Derek, but I feel like there's a lot more awareness about peer pressure and about um, addiction and, and stuff like that that's talked about a little more these days than it was when um, we were tender young lads uh, coming up in the world. You know, I mean, we're both parents. Yeah. Um, and so I think that might be a little bit of wishful thinking on our parts. Um, because yeah, yeah, yeah. My, um, so my daughter, uh, she's 10. And I, I drink non-alcoholic beer sometimes and she checks it. She looks at the can and she makes sure that it's non-alcoholic non beer. Yeah. And, and she, uh, my wife still drinks and she will make the most hilarious, uh, subtle comments about my wife drinking wine. They're absolutely brutally 
passive aggressive and amazing. And I've never been more proud of my child in my entire life. It is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, Noah definitely, he has those offers. That he, he knows that I'm sober. Like he understands that I don't drink alcohol. Yeah. Um, and he kind of knows he's six. So he knows what alcohol is. He knows his mom still drinks it. Yeah. Um, but it's my hope that, uh, that maybe, um, again, because he has a sober parent and because he's exposed to that. So, or not exposed to me drinking alcohol so much, like maybe yeah. I was as a kid. Yeah. Um, that, that there's an outside chance that, that maybe he will, like, I, I understand it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that he's going to drink at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I want him to like figure shit out on his own and, and go down his own path. Yep. Um, but at, at the same time, I'm hoping I can put that off, uh, for as long as I possibly can. Cause I look back at, at the way I was when I drank, uh, in high school and it was, it was just a fucking mess. Like nothing yeah. good came of it. Yeah. Um, and yet I insisted on, you know, continue doing it because I loved lo- it to me. It, it emboldened me. It made me a version of myself that I thought I wanted to be. Um, like I was always, you know, grade eight and nine. I was like this, uh, super fucking nerdy kid, uh, who was like terrified of girls and, uh, you know, uh, would rather like be hanging out with, with my dude friends or at home playing computer games than, than Same. ever talking to them. Same. Uh, and then in grade 10, I was suddenly like, I'm fucking like, I do not want to be that guy anymore. I'm going into high school. I, uh, I, I want to feel just better about myself and less socially awkward around people. So I adopted this like class clown persona. Yeah. I wow. started just, yeah. Weird. Right. It's super weird. I feel, no, I feel like I literally feel like you're giving somebody my biography right now. That's <laughs> like so same, same funny, thing. man. Yeah. Yeah. Like identical, identical. <laughs> Maybe this is like a, a routine coming of age story for guys who end up being bald, bald and, and sober. Yeah, yeah. And very handsome and soft shouldered also. Yeah. <laughs> super soft shouldered. <laughs> Oh, anyways, go, go check out, uh, WFLBC. That's me on Twitter. I've had a sweet reply to a troll today. Go check it out. Give me a like. Yeah. Check, check it out. It, it will be like five days old by the time you listen to this, but go yeah, check yeah, it yeah. out. Scroll yeah. through the, scroll through the tweets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so when I hit grade 10, I was like, I don't want to be that nerdy guy anymore. Uh, I want to be, I think every decision I made in high school was driven by wanting to be popular with the ladies. Yeah. Um, that yeah, was yeah. always where, where my focus was. Uh, and I assume that's typical for horny teenage boys. I would, I would back that up. Yep. So I could, so I started coming out of my shell a little bit in grade 10. Uh, and then it was towards the tail. I think it was the summer between grade 10 and grade 11 when I got drunk for the first time. Uh, no, I might've been at the beginning of grade 10. Anyway, at some point I started drinking in there. Um, and then basically, uh, I was like, holy fuck, I can be that person that I want to be, uh, this, like, you know, I saw myself when I drank as like this charming, hilarious guy. Um, and that continued well into adulthood. Like I still had this vision of myself when I was drunk and I was like, Oh, I'm the life of the party. Yeah. Um, and that was true to an extent, but it was also like, uh, I was the life of the party to people who were just as drunk as me. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's very true. It, it led to a lot of like, uh, you know, shit that should have caused me profound embarrassment yeah. uh, and not a lot of meaningful relationships with people. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so I got 
yeah, started drinking grade 10. And that was just like, that was my way to get out of my own head and stop worrying about what other people thought of me or how they looked at me and just be the person I wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that was that, I think that was like probably why I did it was just to, to stop being so fucking self-conscious all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Very, very similar story. I think I was that weird kid who played hockey, but was also in band. So I had like this wide, oh, nice. yeah, this super wide ranging, uh, group of friends that went from like the coolest cool kids to the kid who played trombone and had neck zits, you know? And, uh, um, yeah, it was just, a such a wild, uh, social group that I had. And I thought at some point, man, uh, I got to get away from these dorks. So I started drinking and hanging out with the cool kids. And, uh, it's funny when you get older, um, most of the kids that were the cool kids in school end up not being the super successful people in life. Weird and, uh, how that yeah, works. It's super weird. And then, um, the, the kids who were the nerds end up pretty well put together and kind of more ready to deal with uh, the shit that the world has to throw their way because they had to deal with it all through high school. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy that I had that mixed bag of uh, experiences through school, but there was definitely part of me that didn't want anything to do with the the nerdy side of the shit that I liked and uh, tried to actively uh, shoo it away through being super cool and drinking lots with my hockey buds. You know, yeah, yeah. Hockey hockey's a weird sport too for for drinking. There's definitely a how many beers can you drink in the locker room after the game's over sort of mentality. And it's a lot. It's a lot. I think there's a, yeah. And that kind of contributes in a way to like, uh, and this is something we've seen pop up lately is, is like this toxic hockey bro culture. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This seen that pop up very recently. Oh, <laughs> uh, what was it? The, the Brendan, uh, Le- Brendan Leipzig thing. Leipzig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Him and his brother and some other guys. And I, I hear people talk all the time about, well, not all guys in hockey are like that, but man, it's the majority. It's, yeah. <laughs> Sorry guys, but yeah, you're and the one or two that aren't terrible. are like are too cowed into silence yeah, by being surrounded exactly, by that all the time. Exactly. So. Exactly. So hockey you know oh canada yeah. yeah well and you have to think that like uh how much of that is um you know i'm not saying that alcohol is solely responsible for like just toxic attitudes towards women um but i think a lot of the way it, it manifests and, and when a lot of these guys are emboldened to say shit like that um maybe a lot of it does come from drinking because you would yep. think like uh yep. you know as a person who is sober, one of the biggest benefits of being sober is that I've learned when to just not run my mouth or yeah. say like really offensive yeah. shit. Yeah, the amount of stupid shit that I don't say now is just unmeasurable. Like the 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 stuff that used to just flow out of my mouth, which may have seemed hilarious at the time, but was probably pretty hurtful for whoever was around and was the either the target of it or whatever the fact that you realize when you're sober that none of that stuff needs to come out. Like you can think the grossest shit in your head. doesn't mean you need to say it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, keep that for the old internal that, dialogue. Yeah. The old internal dialogue can be just as twisted as you need it to be. Just keep your mouth shut. And it's very yeah. much easier to do when you're sober. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what's uh 
what did you what did you like about drinking? Like what when when you were doing it? I mean, you might have started because of peer pressure at first, but it was something that like yeah. into your adult life you made a decision to continue doing. Um, yeah. So what what was it about it that that appealed to you? I think the social aspect of it was pretty appealing. Um, uh, just hanging out with uh, with friends a lot um, and. I'm a pretty introverted guy, which may seem weird to anybody that knows me in real life, but I, I will gladly just, surprising. yeah, I would gladly just sit at home by myself and, you know, write or go out and take photos by myself. I travel alone sometimes and, um, being social is sort of, uh, it's like a, it's like a, it's like an exercise for me. It's like something that I have to work at and, and try to be good at. And it just came a lot easier when I was drinking. But then I realized that that, that wasn't really me that those people were seeing. That was like this uh, sort of souped up, loose version of, of who I was. And it wasn't really, you know, the way I acted and the things I said, they weren't really consistent with the person that I am or was um, in, man, in a lot of ways. But I, yeah, I think other than the social aspect, I all I I always wanted to think that for me, especially like craft beer was like my big thing, especially the last few years that I drank. And I always wanted to talk myself into it being like a hobby. As like opposed, a legitimate one. Yeah. yeah, like a legitimate hobby. And, you know, oh, I cellared this beer for this long. And, oh, I'm going to a beer dinner. I'm going to this tasting I'm going to this beer release. I'm going, I got invited to this restaurant opening in this new hip, uh, whatever. It was all just to drink. That's what it, that's, that's it. And it just, it's just a way to legitimize it in your head that I'm not just drinking all the time. I have a hobby, you know? So yeah, that's, those are the things I liked about it. The social aspect of it and the fact that it made me feel like I had a hobby, like something to do with my time when in reality, I do way more now with my free time than I did when I was drinking because I'm not hung over all the time or drunk all the time or broke all the time. Those three things are very draining on a person. <laughs> Especially in conjunction. Yeah, absolutely. Like even alone, they're draining on a person. Yeah. But if you're yeah. all three. It's true. It's true. Yeah. The, now you, you got actual hobbies that uh, don't, I mean, I, I think we talked about this in what the last episode or a different one for sure. Hobbies masquerading yeah. as addictions or vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's a whole nother topic about, you know, my, my hobbies that I have now are still probably addictions, but the only thing they're really harming is my bank account. And luckily my job allows that to happen. So uh, yeah, I'm okay with it for now, but I definitely got to rein in the online spending just a little. Yeah. You, you are not alone there, buddy. <laughs> it was like, like I said, last, uh, last episode, I feel like this pandemic just like, uh, knocked down any, uh, you know, remaining self-control I had at least around the online spending addiction thing. Yeah, I was like, same. I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta do something to cope to get through this. So yep. Yep. let's just, uh, fire up the old credit card. Yep. Big time. <laughs> you st we still got home. It's, it's totally fine. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Super good. Cool. 
do you do you have any advice for i mean i don't know i don't think there's going to be too many like tweens or uh no. you know, people entering that formative stage of drinking list if if they are listening to this i would give them major kudos for being self-aware uh you, yeah. you don't see a yeah. lot of teenagers or like people in their early 20s uh, being like, hey, what kind of relationship do I want to have with alcohol when I grow up and why do I drink? Um, I, you know, what? I think my advice is that if there are some sober people listening to this, which I would imagine that that would be our target audience. I would, I would think that would be most yeah, of our most, audience. Most of our audience, right? I'm no, I'm no expert, <laughs> Derek Bolin, but uh, um, I think maybe being like a, a mentor to a younger person as a sober person is a great uh, thing that will help them out. Just seeing uh, an adult able to go through life as a sober person and like still have a fun life and have lots of friends and do lots of fun stuff. And it it's good for kids to see that. Um, and when I say kids, I mean like probably teenagers more than even younger kids. It's great for younger kids too, because, you know, if you can instill that, um, that in them in a young age, uh, hopefully they'll carry it forward and uh, make better decisions. Maybe not the same decisions, uh, maybe not complete sobriety, but maybe a little bit better control over um, alcohol or drug consumption. And uh, yeah, so if you know any, if you know any younger people that you can see, maybe their social group or their family group isn't giving them the best uh, version of um, sobriety or life advice, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe poke your head in there and say, Hey bud, uh, what's going on? <laughs> cool, cool sober uncle Scott. Cool here. sober uncle Scott here. Uh, that's actually, like, that, that is a great fucking point because you like sparkling um, water. Yeah. Oh yeah. boy. Have I got oh a boy. treat for you? Yeah. You ever heard of LaCroix? Ooh, you like, or... you like kombucha? <laughs> um, no. Which you were talking about, so I want to I want to make this point. First, uh, but, uh, circle back to the kombucha. Yeah, I'll, I'll get back to the kombucha. That's a great point. Like, um, I think people have adults, particularly when they want to spread a message of sobriety to kids, they're doing uh, they're doing so through these like really ham fisted like scare tactics or like uh, you know scared straight assemblies yeah. or like the mothers against drunk driving like video yeah. shit. Um, or they're, they're just like preaching at these kids, um, about, uh, and it's the same thing. Like you will find the same thing in sex education where everyone says like, Hey, if you go into sex ed and you preach abstinence is the only way yeah. it's not going to fucking work. You're going to end up with a lot of pregnant teenagers. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So I think the, yeah. the route we are taking now is you're going to end up with a lot of alcohol pregnant, just drunk, drunk teenagers, alcohol not alcohol pregnant. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I think the, the best, absolute best thing you can do is lead by example and yeah. like show, show kids or, or people in those formative years that like, Hey, not only is it possible to like not drink, but it's possible to be a fucking dope person who doesn't drink and yeah. to, uh, to show them that like you can have a fully realized life and still be a generally cool person um, without, without alcohol in your life. Yeah, uh, and for I sure. think that's a really important, important message to share. Granted, I am almost definitely overstating how cool uh, any teenager would think you and I are. So maybe if you're a sober person <laughs> who's more cool than Scott or I, 
uh, you should definitely mentor mentor a kid. They're out there. I can guarantee it. <laughs> uh, the point I wanted to make wow. about kombucha is you were talking oh. about you were talking about how you could have beer as a hobby. Yes. And how you could brew your own beer as a hobby. I didn't brew my own beer. I never said that. So I reject your idea outright. Okay. I got, I got <laughs> a, uh, a jar of kombucha fermenting on my, uh, my counter right now. Kate got me a kombucha kit. Yeah. Uh, I'm three. So my first batch was a uh, lingonberry, lingonberry kombucha. Oh, very Swedish of you. Yeah, well, I got the syrup from Ikea and I was of like, let's you do it. Yeah. Uh, second, second batch was uh, apple ginger. Uh, and then this one, I picked up some hops from a brewing store and I'm going to do uh, hops and grapefruits uh, kombucha. So I hate to say this out loud, but they all, they all sound pretty good. I'm not going to lie. They're great. I, I might, I'll, I'll save you a bottle. <sighs> Whatever, man. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to share about uh, your, your, long painful descent into uh into drinking or maybe uh, not so long or painful. i mean it, at the time it seemed normal but looking back on it it most definitely wasn't and i think it was very similar to a lot of my peers uh, who are still drinking so yeah it is definitely normal as a teenager to yeah fuck around with that shit. I think it, yeah. it's it's normal for, and maybe this is just me telling myself because this is the people I surrounded myself with, but like I saw when, when you're a teenager, everyone binge drinks because everyone's just drinking to get drunk. Uh, when you're in college, it's very much the same. But I feel like after that is maybe when people start letting go of some of those more problematic drinking tendencies. Yeah. Um, and that is certainly not something that happened with, with me. So I wouldn't say that binge yeah. drinking is ever okay. Like, uh, there's there's always a reason for it. Yeah, and even if that reason is like to fit in with everyone else who's getting fucked up beyond belief, um, that's not, I mean, I get it. I was absolutely there, but I don't know if that's, if that's a valid reason for, um, for as much binge drinking as we see going on. No, no, definitely not. Cool. Uh, Scott. Yes. You got a recommendation for us this week. Ooh, uh, what did I recommend last time? I don't remember. Uh, it was What's probably it? something near. Oh no, it was uh, you built built your own watch. Oh, I built my own watch. Yeah, that's a tough recommendation though. I started reading Dune again. Did I recommend? Oh that? no, you did mention. Yeah, that. That was your yeah, recommendation yeah. Last yeah. Time. I'm so I'm still doing that. Uh, I don't know. I developed my first roll of film at home last week, which was pretty exciting and terrifying. Um, Do you have like that's a dark, a, like a dark room. No, I have a dark bag, which looks like a t-shirt with no neck hole. It's pretty funny. Yeah. So you put all your stuff inside and you zip the bottom closed and then you stick your arms through little armholes and work in the dark and try not to cut your fingers off with scissors. It's great. Did it work? Did you cut yeah, your yeah, fingers? Yeah. Do you have no, fingers? I have all. I, have, I got them all. I got them all. <laughs> Look at that. Yep. Uh, no, it worked. It worked really well. And uh, I'm very excited to do more. And I, yeah. It's film, film processing and scanning is, is getting pretty expensive. And with the pandemic, it's uh, the turnaround times are very long and the hours are short and it's tough to get to my normal lab. So doing stuff at home, that's the new normal. So what do you need? Just like solution paper? uh... No, I'm just doing negatives. So I'm not, I'm not printing anything. So I've got, uh, I've got all the chemicals. 
Uh, and I've got uh, what's called a Patterson tank with some reels. And that's where you like pour. It's like a light, tight liquid tank. And you basically pour the chemicals in there. And there's different times you need to do and agitations. And yeah, it's like a three or four step process to get everything developed. And then you got to hang them up to dry. And yeah, it's it's interesting. It only takes, I don't know, maybe half an hour start to finish. Oh, roll. So, way less involved than, than I would have thought. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. But cool. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. That's not really a recommendation. That's I mean, it's a good. A lot of people are into photography. I don't know how many people shoot film anymore, but uh, uh, it's coming back, man. It's coming back. Okay. Shut up! It's coming back. All right. <laughs> you know, well, that kind of dovetails nicely with my recommendation, which is, uh, um. I am similarly doing shit at home uh, because I'm basic as hell, uh, baking sourdough uh, and oh, brewing yeah. kombucha. So I have like a whole little fermentation station in my uh, apartment <laughs> right now where I have uh, a Where's batch the kimchi, of bro? Uh, that's, that's next on my yeah. list. I got to yeah. just, you know, knock that yeah. off. Yeah. Um, but I got uh, a sourdough starter and that has been my little... Uh, basically my my zen weekend activity so i like feed my starter all week and then every every friday night i uh make the the uh the leaven for the bread yep and then uh saturday i make the dough spend all day saturday doing that and like i'm not doing it all day i'm doing other shit in between the stages uh, yeah. And then let it rise overnight. And then Sunday I bake uh, two two loaves of bread, and that has been my uh, my routine for the past three or four weeks here. So nice, yeah. Lindsay got some uh, sourdough starter from a friend of ours, and uh, started making sourdough too. It's been great. Yeah. Whew. I mean, it's yeah. It's not, nothing beats a uh, fresh baked bread, and just like the accomplishment of knowing you made it yourself. I do not think this is something that I'm going to continue when this is over. I'm like, fuck, that's a lot of work, and I would rather be, you know, outside, yeah. uh, doing literally anything else. Uh, but while we aren't allowed outside, it's it's a nice nice hobby to have. Yeah, yeah. Bread bacon. Yeah. What's up? That's, there you go. It's the thing. We're we're all. Uh, I do the, the more than anything. Pioneers. This pandemic uh, forced people to learn at least some, uh, even if in our own like bougie ass Instagrammable way, we picked up some survival skills where uh, if society ever fully collapses, uh, we can we can at least bake some fucking bread. Yeah, man. And if I got like super, super into film developing at home, I can actually make my own chemicals out of uh, coffee. It's called caffeinol. Whoa. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can you can make your own film developing chemicals out of like household ingredients. It's wild. How do you For do For black it? and white film. You, you, you just, you, you make it uh, into a powder basically. You can use like freeze-dried coffee and uh, there's some other shit that you put in with it. I can't remember what it is, but it's all stuff that is readily available and like you could find even if uh, the world like stopped turning if you had a big jar of uh freeze-dried coffee in your cupboard somewhere you could develop film for a while so yeah i mean if the world stops turning and i only have one thing of coffee even if it's freeze-dried i'm saving that coffee to drink probably uh, rather than develop film but you come, know i'll just come take it all right okay well <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you a loaf of bread and some kombucha all right fine <laughs> fine i'll take the first one probably pass on the second one 
All right. So, uh, so hey. Derek Bolin, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, fuck. Scott, thank you so much for the reminder. Uh, hey, if you're on the internet, which some people are, some people aren't, who knows? Uh, PB on the Instagram at uh, van underscore sober, I want to say. Um, that is where I do all my sober posting. Uh yeah, just just follow that one. My my personal stuff leaves a lot to be desired. So just just look at the the sober thing. Fair enough, How are you Scott. <laughs> you know, if people aren't on the internet, they're gonna have a hard time finding this podcast. I just thought I should point that out. <laughs> That's uh, a great point. So <laughs> so on that note, uh, you can find all of my insane ramblings uh, at uh, WFLBC pretty much everywhere on the internet, where fine internet products are sold for free. And uh, my website is digitalemulsions.com. And I actually just wrote an article for that website about developing film at home and what I used. And it shows some of my results. And it's pretty cool. If I Did you make so a myself. YouTube video of it? No, yeah. not yet. Not yet. Okay. No, that's, that takes more time. So I'll that's probably do time. one throughout the some week. Some of our listeners a couple times might not know this, but Scott is also uh, an accomplished YouTuber. I am a... What are they? What are they called? A micro influencer? A micro, yeah, a yeah, very yeah, yeah. small influencer. Very small micro influencer with a capital M <laughs> and soft uh, shoulders. Also, yeah. <laughs> soft shoulders. Don't don't forget to go look at his tweet. You gotta go look that up. It's, it's great. Uh, all right, hey Scott, thanks for uh, taking the time to join me. We'll do this again in another two weeks. Sounds good, Mr. Bolin. I look uh, forward to it. Me as well. And until then, meeting adjourned. Bye. Bye. Disclaimer, nothing in this podcast constitutes medical or professional advice. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, there are a number of resources available. We'll link to these resources in the show notes for each episode so that you can get the support you need. 